Chapter 6 of Police Your Planet by Lester Del Rey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 6 Sealed Letter In the few days at the short-lived 19th Precinct, Bruce Gordon had begun to feel like a cop again. But the feeling disappeared as he reported in at Captain Isaiah Trench's 17th Precinct. Trench had once been a colonel in the Marines, before a court-martial and sundry unpleasantnesses had driven him off earth. His dark scowling face and lean body still bore a military air. He looked Bruce Gordon over sourly. I've been reading your record. It stinks. Making trouble for Jurgens could have been charged as false arrest. No cooperation with your captain until he forced it out in the sticks beating up helpless men. Now you come crawling back to your only friend, Isaacs. Well, I'll give it a try, but step out of line, and I'll have you cleaning streets with your bare hands. All right, Corporal Gordon. Dismissed. Get to your beat. Gordon grinned wryly at the emphasis on his title. No need to ask what had happened to Murdoch's recommendation. He joined Izzy in the locker room summing up the situation. Yeah, Izzy looked worried, his thin face pinched in. Maybe I didn't do you a favor, Govna. Pulling you here, I don't know. I got some pics of Trench from a guy I know. That's how I got my beat so fast in the seventh. But Trench ain't married, and I guess I've used up the touch. Maybe I could try it, though. Forget it, Gordon told him. I'll work it out somehow. The beat was a gold mine. It lay through the section where Gordon had first tried his luck on Mars. There were a dozen or so gambling joints, half a dozen cheap saloons, and a fair number of places listed as rooming houses, though they made no bones about the fact that all their permanent inhabitants were female. Then the beat swung off, past a row of small businesses and genuine rooming houses, before turning back to the main section. They began in the poor section. It wasn't the day to collect the tips for good service, which had been an honest attempt to promote good police service before it became a racket. But they were met everywhere by sullen faces. Izzy explained it. The city had passed a new poll tax. To pay for election booths, supposedly, and had made the police collect it. Murdoch must have disregarded the order, but the rest of the force had been busy helping the administration. But once they hit the main stem, things were more routine. The gambling joints took it for granted that beat cops had to be paid, and considered it part of their operating expenses. The only problem was that Fat's place was the first one on the list. Gordon didn't expect to be too welcome there. There was no sign of the thug, but Fats came out of his back office just as Gordon reached the little bar. He came over, nodded, picked up a cup and dice, and began shaking them. High man for sixty, he said automatically, and expertly rolled the bull's eyes for a two. Izzy said, you'd be around. Sorry my man drew that knife on you the last time, Corporal. Gordon rolled an eight, pocketed the bills, and shrugged. Accidents will happen, Fats. Yeah, 
The other picked up the dice and began rolling sevens absently. How come you're walking beat, anyhow? With what you pulled here, you should have bought a captaincy. Gordon told him briefly. The man chuckled grimly. Well, that's Mars, he said, and turned back to his private quarters. Mostly it was routine work. They came on a drunk later, collapsed in an alley. But the muggers had apparently given up before Izzy and Gordon arrived, since the man had his wallet clutched in his hand. Gordon reached for it, twisting his lips. Izzy stopped him. It ain't honest, Govna. If the geese in the wagon clean him, or the desk man gets it, that's their business, but I'm going to run a straight beat or else. That was followed by a call to remove a berserk spaceman from one of the so-called rooming houses. Gordon noticed that workmen were busy setting up a heavy wooden gate in front of the entrance to the place. There were a lot of such preparations going on for the forthcoming elections. Then the shift was over, but Gordon wasn't too surprised when his relief showed up two hours late. He'd half expected some such nastiness from Trench. But he was surprised at the look on his tardy relief's face. The man seemed to avoid facing him, muttered. Captain says report in person at once, and swung out of the scooter and onto his beat without further words. Gordon was met there by blank faces and averted looks, but someone nodded toward Trench's office, and he went inside. Trench sat chewing on a cigar. Gordon, what does security want with you? Security? Not a damn thing, if I can help it. They kicked me off Earth on a yellow ticket, if that's what you mean. Yeah. Trench shoved a letter forward. It bore the official business seal of Solar Security and was addressed to Corporal Bruce Gordon, 19th Police Precinct, Marsport. Trench kept his eyes on it, his face filled with suspicion and the vague fear most men had for security. Yeah, he said again. Okay, probably routine. Only next time, Gordon, put the facts on your record with the force. If you're a deportee, it should show up. That's all. Bruce Gordon went out, holding the envelope. The warning in Trench's voice wasn't for any omission on his record, he knew. He shoved the envelope into his belt pocket and waited until he was in his own room before opening it. It was terse and unsigned. Report expected overdue. Failure to observe duty will result in permanent resettlement to Mercury. He swore coldly and methodically, while his stomach dug knots in itself. The damn stupid blundering fools. That was all Trench and the police gang had to see. It was obvious that the letter had been opened. Sure, report at once, drop a letter in the mailbox, and the next morning it would be turned over to Commissioner Arliss' office. Report and find Mars a worse place than Mercury could ever be. He felt sick as he stood up to find paper and pen and write a terse factual account of his own personal doings, minus any hint of anything wrong with the system here. Security might think it was enough for the moment, 
and the local men might possibly decide it a mere required formality. At least it would stall things off for a while. But Gordon knew now that he could never hope to get back to Earth legally. That vague promise by security was so much hogwash, yet it was surprising how much he had counted on it. He tore the envelope from security into tiny shreds, too small for Mother Cory to make sense of, and went out to mail the letter. Feeling the few bills in his pocket, as usual, less than a hundred credits. He passed a sound truck blatting out a campaign speech by candidate Nolan, filled with two obvious facts about the present administration, together with hints that Wayne had paid to have Nolan assassinated. Gordon saw a crowd around it and was surprised until he recognized them as rafters, men from the biggest of the gangs supporting Wayne. The few citizens on the street who drifted toward the truck took a good look at them and moved on hastily. It seemed incredible that Wayne could be re-elected, though even with the power of the gang, Nolan was probably a grafter too, but he'd at least be a change, and certainly the citizens were aching for that. The next day his relief was later. Gordon waited, trying to swallow their petty punishments but it went against the grain. Finally, he began making the rounds, acting as his own nightman. The owners of the joints didn't care whether they paid the second daily dole to the same man or another, but they wouldn't pay it again that same night. He'd managed to tap most of the places before his relief showed. He made no comment, but dutifully filled out the proper portion of both takes for the voluntary donation box. It wouldn't do his record any good with Trench, but it should put an end to the overtime. Trench, however, had other ideas. The overtime continued, but it was dull after that, which made it even more tiring. But the time he took a special release out to the spaceport was the worst. Seeing the big ship ready for takeoff, back to Earth. Then it was the day before election. The street was already bristling with barricades around the entrances, and everything ran with a last desperate restlessness, as if there would be no tomorrow. The operators all swore that Wayne would be elected, but seemed to fear a miracle. On the poor section of the beat, there was a spiritless hope that Nolan might come in with his reform program. Men who would normally have been punctilious about their payments were avoiding Bruce Gordon, if in hope that, by putting it off a day or so, they could run into a period where no such payment would ever be asked, or a smaller one at least, and he was too tired to chase them down. His collections had been falling off already, and he knew that he'd be on the carpet for that, if he didn't do better. It was a rich territory, and required careful mining. Even as the week had gone, he still had more money in his wallet than he had expected. But there had to be still more before night. He was lucky. He came on a pusher working one of the better houses, long after his collection should have been over. He knew by the man's face that no protection had been paid higher up. The pusher was well healed. Gordon confiscated the money. This time, Izzy made no protest 
lifting the role of anyone outside the enforced part of Mars' laws, was apparently honest in his eyes. He nodded and pointed to the man's belt. Pick up the snow, too. The pusher's face paled. He must have had his total capital with him, because stark ruin shone in his eyes. Good God, Sergeant, he pleaded. Leave me something. I'll make it right. I'll cut you in. I gotta have some of that for myself. Gordon grimaced. He couldn't work up any great sympathy for anyone who made a living out of drugs. They cleaned the pusher and left him sitting on the steps, a picture of slumped misery. Izzy nodded approval. Let him feel it a while. No sense jailing him yet. Bloody fool had no business starting without lining the groove. Anyhow, we'll get a bunch of credits for the stuff when we turn it in. Credits? Gordon asked. Sure, Izzy patted the little package. We get a quarter value. Captain probably gets 50% from one of the pushers who lined with him. Everybody's happy. Why not push it ourselves? Gordon asked in disgust. Wouldn't be honest, Governor. Cops are supposed to turn it in. Trench was almost jovial when he weighed the package and examined to find how much it had been cut. He issued them slips, which they added as part of the contributions. Good work. You too, Gordon. Best week in the territory for a couple of months. I guess the citizens like you, the way they treat you. He laughed at his stale joke, and Gordon was willing to laugh with him. The credit on the dope had paid for most of the contributions. For once he had money to show for the week. Then Trench motioned Bruce Gordon forward and dismissed Izzy with a nod of his head. Something to discuss, Gordon. Isaacs were holding a little meeting. So wait around. You're a sergeant already, but Gordon, I'm offering you a chance. There aren't enough openings for all the good men, but oh, bother the soft soup. We're still short on election funds, so there's a raffle. The two men holding winning tickets get bucked up to sergeants. A hundred credits a ticket. How many? He frowned suddenly as Gordon counted out three bills. You have a better chance with more tickets. A much better chance. The hint was hardly veiled. Gordon stuck the tickets into his wallet. Mars was a fine planet for picking up easy money, but holding it was another matter. Trench counted the money and put it away. Thanks, Gordon. That fills my quota. Look, you've been on overtime all week. Why not skip the meeting? Isaacs can brief you later. Go out and get drunk or something. The comparative friendliness of the peace offering was probably the ultimate ingraciousness from Trench. Idly, Gordon wondered what kind of pressures the captains were under. It must be pretty stiff judging by the relief the man was showing at making quota. Thanks, he said, but his voice was bitter in his ears. I'll go home and rest. Drinking costs too much for what I make. It's a good thing you don't have income tax here. We do, Trench said flatly. Forty percent. Better make out a form next week and start paying it regularly. But you can deduct your contributions here. Gordon got out before he learned more good news.
End of chapter 6